Praise God. My message tonight, or this morning, hopefully it doesn't go in tonight, and hopefully you're still thankful if it does, uh, is be like the one, not like the nine. Be like the one, not like the nine. Does anybody know where I'm going? Yeah, we're talking about the Samaritan leper and really the ten lepers. Go to Luke chapter 17, please. Luke chapter 17. And it's uh, such a uh, powerful teaching. I probably taught on this teaching in the 30 plus years I pastored Blessed Hope, maybe once or twice that I can remember. Uh, so, but it's such a, a powerful teaching that is for me so convicting. Uh, the main teaching here is salvation. Jesus brings mercy to these lepers. And leprosy, as you'll see, is a picture of sin. It's a picture of us. In typology, leprosy is a picture of sin and the devastation that sin brings to the human individual. And in uh, Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry by opening up the scroll at the synagogue, reading about how he is the Messiah. He's the one that the Spirit of the Lord is upon uh, to bring forth uh, salvation and to heal the sick and, and uh, open the eyes of the blind and, and bring salvation and set the captives free. Amen? And that's basically Luke's emphasis. And you only find this story in the book of Luke, uh, the gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter uh, 17. And it's really, really profound. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful things in a short amount of verses, uh, verses 11 uh, to 19. And we pick it up at verse 11. While he was on the way, that is when Jesus was on the way to where? Jerusalem. Okay? Now he's on his way to Jerusalem. He was passing between Samaria and Galilee. Now his, his uh, hometown uh, was in uh, Capernaum in, in the Galilee area. And he did a lot of ministry there early on. He did a lot of ministry in Jerusalem and took various trips to Jerusalem. But now he's on his last trip to Jerusalem where he would go to be crucified outside the gate for the sins of the world. He knows his mission. And it says he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. But even though he was determined to go to Jerusalem, he wanted to stop off in Samaria, near Samaria, which is very, very interesting because when you think about where he was headed and how he's headed uh, to Samaria, it shows his love because he didn't have to go there. Most Jews would circle around Samaria. They didn't want to go through Samaria. They'd cross the Jordan River from Galilee and they'd go toward Jerusalem the long route because the Samaritans and, and the Jews basically hated each other, uh, were opposed to each other. Uh, there was a lot of resentment that was built up, built up by uh, the Jews in Jerusalem and throughout much of Israel regarding the Samaritans because the Samaritans were half-breeds. And it's not that they were simply half-breeds in the eyes of the Jews, half-Jewish, but they were half-Assyrian in many of their eyes. But the, the stigma of the, the uh, oppression that came from the Assyrians when uh, they uh, took over the ten northern tribes, when Assyria invaded Israel, and deported them throughout the world. Some Assyrians stayed there, and they interbred with the Jews that had stayed there, that they didn't deport. And their offspring were half Assyrian and half Jewish. And there was a, a, a false form of worship that was set up there. And there was debate as to who the true people of God were. Does this sound familiar, by the way? Regarding Gaza right now, what's going on there? Very, very striking. 
And I think there's some implications here. The timing is very interesting for my message because Jesus loved the Samaritans. Even though their worship was jacked up, they needed to get right with God. Jesus loves those in Gaza. Oh, by the way, I am a very, very strong, free Palestine person. Free Palestine from Hamas. Okay? From Hamas because Hamas is oppressing Palestine. And they have been for years. They use their, the kids and the innocent children as human shields. Okay? They brutally raped, repeatedly gang raped. These are the soldiers who are shout, shouting Allah Akbar. But what kind of God do they serve? A God that do, did not send Jesus Christ for the sins of the world. As they rape, repeatedly gang rape all these different women. That, a lot of that's come out now. You know, you've seen some of early when the first 200 and plus, uh, or the first 1,200 were killed and 200 plus hostages were taken. You saw, you know, how they were holding this old woman, kind of just janking her around as a trophy, and she has dementia. You know, another gal, a German-Israeli gal, was all twisted up and almost purely naked. You know, and they're using her as a trophy in the back of a truck, and she, she appeared dead. And another gal was repeatedly raped, and she has blood spots in that area where you have blood if you were raped as, as she's being yanked around by the hair and so forth. Uh, and that was just a tip of the iceberg, stuff that was caught on camera. Uh, these are brutal people. Well, guess what? We're all brutal w- without Jesus, amen? I was witnessing to a uh, Jewish man recently uh, and talking about this situation, and I said, Jeremiah 79 says in the Jewish Bible that you know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? You know, that, that we all need to be born again. You know, we all need to be saved. Well, God wants to save the wicked. The Bible says that the godly one, the, the, that Jesus, the, the godly gave himself for the ungodly. Amen. The righteous for the unrighteous. Came to seek even out the chief of sinners as the apostle Paul was. Amen. He came, as it says in the gospel of Luke here, to seek and save that which was lost. Amen. And that's stated when he goes and eats dinner at a tax gatherer's house named Zacchaeus. Amen? Calls the little man down from the tree and says, I'm eating at your house tonight. And they're like, how could they eat at this? He goes, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Amen? Aren't you glad he came to seek and save that which was lost? Because that was you and me. Amen. Amen? Otherwise, we'd still be lost in our sins. And by the way, you could be born in any of these other countries. You could be born in, in Gaza, you know, under the oppression of Hamas, who has uh, done such wicked atrocities. And it's amazing when you look at the scripture, Jesus loves the Samaritans, man. He cares about them. He's going, remember, how did he treat the woman at the well? The Samaritan woman, amen? He wanted her to know the truth. That didn't mean he condoned their sin and their wickedness. He calls them out of light into darkness, amen? He called her to drink from the living water, amen? Well, he's going to this village, which some believe it could be in Samaria. I believe it's probably just outside Samaria. It doesn't say, doesn't give the name of the village. And it's probably just outside Samaria because nine of the ten lepers that are being going to be healed are what? They're Jewish. You know, so if nine, and ten, nine out of ten were Samaritans, I'd say it's probably a village in Samaria. But it's probably just on, on the border or just outside Samaria. And there is a Samaritan there. And it's quite interesting uh, when you look at the text and what was going on. Uh, Verse 12. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. Okay? Now they, they met him, but they stood at a distance. A long way away. Because there was severe social distancing going on. Because leprosy is incredibly uh, contagious, 
you know? Uh, studies I've done on leprosy in the past, I found out that one in four people are contagious with leprosy. So if you hug someone with leprosy, you're playing Russian roulette. Not with six, one bullet in six chambers, one leprosy bullet in, went out of, in one of the four chambers. So it was something you didn't do. It was to, and, and leprosy, there was different social distances me measurements. Uh, it's interesting, later in history, the Jews had six feet for social distancing. Sound familiar? Uh, and, but the social distancing with leprosy, uh, the most common number that was banded about was 100 paces, a long way. Very, very serious disease. And when you saw someone with leprosy, it was mortifying. If you had, if you had no sympathy, you would run the other way. In fact, a lot of people threw stones at them. Okay, But if you had some sympathy, your heart would just break seeing someone with leprosy. Uh, and it was such a horrible, horrible disease. Now, uh, because of antibiotics uh, and cocktails of antibiotics, they've been able to discover how to uh, combat leprosy. And now leprosy can be healed ever since 1981. Okay, so 1981, since that time, you could be healed, totally cured of the advancement of leprosy. Not turning around the things that have taken place, but if you get leprosy and it starts to form on your body, uh, you can't really know sometimes between four to eight years, you don't even know you have it often. But once you see, wow, I've got leprosy, uh, you can take these antibiotics and be cured. Praise God. It's been eradicated in most parts of the world. There's some areas, uh, Tabanga and other places that still have some leprosy, uh, Ireland has leprosy uh, with some really short people there have this specific disease. They're called uh, leprechauns, you know. So uh, this is a heavy subject, so we got to go a little bit light here and there, right? Uh, no, I, they're not real, you know. So. But uh, it's just interesting when you think about it because this disease... Uh, even though it's eradicated now for, for the last, you know, almost 4,000 years since we've been reading about it. And some Bible encyclopedias, because I did a lot of study on leprosy and Hansen's disease, it's mostly called. And then some of these Bible encyclopedias will say that wasn't around in biblical times. It was more just a skin disease, but they didn't really, there's no evidence that, that people had Hansen's disease. But we know that that's false because the oldest leper they ever found was in Jerusalem now, since that time, since those encyclopedias. You know, I've got biblical encyclopedias, and since they were written, you know, the older ones, uh, uh, the oldest leper that they found now, uh, actually 2,000 years ago, existed in Jesus' time. There was a, there was a uh, there's, I don't want to go into the forensics and everything. They were sent up to Canada and everything. It's like this person had Anson's disease in, in, in one of the tombs that was sealed, and you'd seal tombs uh, typically, I mean, totally sealed if there was a disease, and they broke into it, and they studied it. leprosy, crazy. And it's just a horrifying uh, disease. It uh, attacks your nervous system uh, to the point where you lose feeling. You lose feeling in your digits of your hands and uh, your toes. And that's why many lepers lose their digits. They burn them, not even knowing they're getting burned. You know, they slam them in things, not even knowing they've slammed their, you know. They, they uh, uh, a doctor that's a Christian that worked in a leper colony for years. He wrote a book called a Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, a medical Christian book from a medical perspective. And he worked it and he said, we thought that we, they were just falling off, but in the colony he was in, they observed that at nighttime they found out that rats were eating their fingers off they didn't, they could, when they were asleep. You know? Very, very horrifying uh, disease. Uh, so you can burn them. Uh, you'd get these, you know, 
it starts, the physical symptoms would start with a, a white, little white spot. Just very, like, oh, I got a little white spot on my arm. Now, if you got a little white spot on your arm here, although you can get, there's some leprosy in the United States. Of course, you can treat it, you know, but it's very, very rare. But it starts with a little white spot. And then more white spots, and they become pink. Then they become brownish. Uh, then they become nodules. And they become really, really hard and pussy and dense, and they just spread all over your body, you know. And uh, you have an incredible stench because your body is quickly deteriorating. You're turning slowly into a pool of slime, okay? Your face begins to contort. Uh, your, your nose, your eyes basically disappear. The cartilage in your nose goes away. Your ears become big. Your face swells. You actually look like a lion, you know, uh, to a degree. You can start to look like a lion. Your hair turns white. Your eyebrows fall off. Your, your nervous system, your, 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 your hands begin to contort like claws, you know. And it's really a, an insidious, insidious uh, disease that you, you definitely don't want to get, man. Because there wasn't only the physical pain involved uh, and the heartbreak of just being in such a disease, but how you, people treated you socially. You were basically abandoned by everybody. Many lepers were abandoned by their own family members because they couldn't touch them again. They couldn't hug them again. Uh, everybody knew you don't, even family members. Some family members would still visit the lepers at the leper colonies, but many were just forgotten, you know. And they live in shacks or they live in uh, little, uh, you know, little, uh, they find caves or nooks to live in, you know, uh, huts that they would build with, without, you know, not necessarily good huts, depending on the part of the world. And it was just, but you would be, you know, and you have to, when you go around people, you'd have to stay at a distance and you'd have to let people know uh, that you were uh, a leper. Now, it's interesting because when you look at the scriptures, uh, when it talks about leprosy, and there were actually laws in regard to uh, leprosy and because there had to be banishment. If there was no banishment, it could corrupt the entire society and just destroy a community. In fact, listen to Leviticus. Leviticus is 13 and 14. And this is Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45. It says, For the leper who has, has the infection, his clothes shall be torn. So he's supposed to tear his clothes so you'd recognize him. And when you, when you look at torn clothes, what do you think? What do you, what, what do you do when you tear clothes? Why do you tear them? You're making what? When you tear clothes, what are you making? You're making rags. What is, what is our sin called in the Bible? What is our righteousness called in the Bible? It's nothing but what? Filthy rags. Amen? It's a picture of sin. In fact, that picture is used in Scripture of being sick from head to toe in Isaiah chapter 1. Like being leprous. Is, it's a picture of sin. And it says... He, if you have the infection, as to the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and his hair on his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. Now, when he travels, a leper, when he's traveling, he has to cover his mustache, unclean, unclean, and yell out, unclean, unclean. He could cover it with a cloth. Or he could cover it with his mouth. His. And by the way, it's interesting. They knew nothing about the spreading of germs back in those days. I don't have time to get into Semmelweis and uh, the Austrian doctor who was ridiculed because he felt that children were dying at birth and their mortality rate was so high because he realized that maybe they're transferring it. The doctors 
because a doctor friend of his got a cut when he, was, when he was delivering a baby, and then he died of the same disease all these babies were. And he said, wait, maybe there's a connection. That wasn't until the 19th century in the 1800s, some ways. And the experiments of Louis Pasteur in the same century. Then humans started to get a clue. Oh, wait, maybe we can transfer diseases. Well, guess what? God's saying, cover your mouth when you yell. Why would he say that? Well, we say when someone sneezes and they got something, what do you say if they don't close their mouth? Or they don't cover their mouth and they sneeze on you. What do you say? Or what do you think? Or you at least go, come on, man. <laughs> you know, that's gross, you know. Uh, but uh, it's interesting. The Bible's way ahead of its time because God knew exactly what was going on here. His clothes shall be torn. His hair is, uh, on his head shall be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. Letting the person know he's unclean and he's dangerous because of communicable diseases. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. By the way, there was no cure for until 1981. Picture of sin until 1981. It's still a picture of sin. By the way, I got saved in 1981. Okay. I praise God for that. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And that was a picture when you're outside the camp and you couldn't go to the temple. That was a picture of uh, being separate from God and separate from salvation. It was such a, a powerful, powerful picture. In fact, when we see leprosy, sometimes we see it's associated with sin in Scripture. We see King Uzziah, right? Remember, he was the king who his power went to his head. He became proud. He went and burned incense in the temple as though he had the right, and that was restricted only to the priest. And the priest reprimanded him, saying, you can't do this. And he got angry with them, and God struck him with leprosy. Remember Miriam? She was upset with Moses for marrying an Ethiopian. And she got all upset, and God struck her with leprosy. Oh, you, want, you like light skin? Let me give you some even lighter skin. Boom, she's leprous. So leprosy was associated with God's judgment. Not that everybody that got leprosy uh, was being judged by God. You know, it was a contagious disease, and you could just have, uh, you know, get it from someone innocently, too. So it's very, very interesting when you look at this disease and, and how not just the physical pain and the distortion of your body becoming contorted and, and, and sores filled with pus and, and infection, and, but the loneliness and the separation. Could you imagine being in that state? Could you imagine being in that state? Well, guess what? You are in that state. The whole world's in that state, spiritually speaking. We are the living dead. The Bible says that. Spiritually, we are dying now, leprosy is just an advanced case of dying. It's God speeding the process up in a form of judgment sometimes, and sometimes Him just allowing it to happen because it's a result of the fall. Amen? But I've often said we are the lepers. Spiritually speaking, everyone has spiritual leprosy. We think, oh man, we got the magazines and the muscle dudes and the models and all that stuff. And guess what? We're all dying and we're just dressing up death. The Bible speaks of how we are, we are living but dead. Before we were saved, the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Do you know that? It says we're spiritually dead. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? It means to be separated from God. 
The Bible says the, uh, the, 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 the body without the spirit is what? Is dead. That, those bulbs up there, man, that are giving us light right now, without the electricity, they're just dead. There's no life in them. Well, death is separation. And with God's spirit separated from humanity, what happened? We were dead spiritually. The Bible says that the prodigal son, when he was in rebellion, when he got right with God, the father says, his father says, my son was dead, but he's now what? Alive. The Bible says women that are in the church, but they're gossips, and they're not living for Jesus, and they're just complaining and, and going from house to house, have gone aside after Satan, and it says they are dead while they are living. Don't be a gossip, okay? And be careful, because just as lepers end up hanging out together, you know, gossips hang out together. If you hang out with a bunch of gossips, why do you think they hang out with you? You need to repent and say, no, it's not right because you're part of the party. Don't do it, you know. But it's important to understand that leprosy is a very contagious disease, and so is sin, and it's such a picture of us. Think about it for a second, man. How does sin start? Small, right? Just a little white spot. Oh, it's so innocent. It's just a little white spot. Woo, man. Little white spot, man. Before you know it, you got... Those spots are becoming pink, and then they're becoming darker, and all of a sudden you're filled with them, and before you know it, your face is just falling apart, and you're, you're contorted, and you're alienated. And that's what sin does is we become hardened. Sin, uh, the leper becomes hardened in areas. The nodules become really hard. Sin hardens our hearts, the Bible says. They become blind. The Bible says those, that sin blinds us to God's truth and his love. Sin alienates us, doesn't it? Just like leprosy, they were alone. The Bible says that the sinner is separated from God. Amen? And he separates himself from God's people. And just as, sinner, just as lepers can't feel anything, guess what? People that are filled with sin, they lose feeling. They lose compassion. They, that's why they can, people can cheer by the millions in our country, people are cheering terrorists who are raping women and, and they beheaded 40 kids, okay, 40 babies. And they're cheering them on. Cheering Hamas on. Defacing the posters of those who have been taken captive. People that, you know, were not soldiers, just citizens. Ripping those posters down. And it's a lot of the same people that were part of the BLM movement. People have lost feelings. They've lost all sense of compassion in their hearts. And the Bible says you can become, through sin, past feeling. Our world's becoming more and more dark, and it's going to continue to do so. We need to be saved out of the leper colony that is this world. Amen? So leprosy is a really, really powerful picture of sin. Oh, it just starts with a white spot. Just a little thing. Oh, it's so innocent, it seems. Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll start having lunch with my secretary. It's just lunch with the secretary. Oh, wow, she's especially dolled up now. Oh, and before you know it, man, you've ruined your family, man. I've seen that happen with people. Oh, it's just one social drink. I'm just catching a little buzz. Really? You know how many millions of homes have been destroyed because of alcohol? You can't become an alcoholic if you don't start getting drunk. Amen? That first buzz. If you don't get buzzed the first time, guess what? You'll never become an alcoholic. Amen? Oh, it's just one hit off the bong. 
Do they still use bongs today? When I was a stoner, man, we used to use, we snap bong loads all the time. I just, thank God, I don't even realize how they exactly, I know I still see people lighting up joints all the time, but I don't see bongs as much. How come, who knows that? Who said, yeah, with a hearty, yeah. <laughs> Who's like, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Who was that, you know? Make sure you don't go that route, man. Get inebriated, whether it's alcohol or drugs, you know? You know? We want to make sure that we uh, watch out for the little things. The Bible says a little leaven leavens what? A whole lump of dough. A little bit of yeast affects the whole batch of dough. The Bible says the little foxes spoil the vines. Amen? Oh, it's a little bit of gossip. I probably shouldn't have said that. Oh, I threw in something that really probably wasn't perfectly loving and honest. And the Bible says the tongue starts a little spark, it says in James, right? Starts a whole forest fire. Amen? Watch your tongue. The Bible says if one does not bridle their tongues, all right, their faith is in vain. Whew, that's serious stuff in a book that says faith without works is dead and talking about whether you're saved or not. Be careful, man. Walk holy before the Lord. When you're in conversations, bridle your tongue. Make sure you are loving. The Bible says to do everything in love, and that means to talk in love. The Bible says speak the truth in love. We're truthful people. We speak the truth in love. Consider, show consideration, show kindness. And now James says in chapter 3 that no one can tame the tongue, amen? No man can tame the tongue. Only the Holy Spirit can tame your tongue. So you got to pray, God, by your spirit, as the psalmist prayed, set a guard over my mouth, amen? So it's important that we watch our mouths, that we don't let our guard down with substances, alcohol or, or drugs. Most people dying of fentanyl, and there's about 100,000 plus people uh, in our nation dying from fentanyl and other drugs that are coming across the border via China through Mexico. And uh, most of them, most people dying from fentanyl, they didn't just start doing heroin or, you know, fentanyl. They started with pot or they started with another drug. It's a gateway drug. I started smoking pot in fourth grade. And I found, I, was, I found a pack of cigarettes. I opened it up because I was looking for RC bottles because you could take off the top. You can, the, the, it would say 25 cents. It was a big deal back in those days. Remember that, Kathy? And I'm like, and I saw a pack of cigarettes, you know? And uh, it's my sister up front, so I say, remember that, Kathy? And that was way back in the day. I mean, her and I are a couple of people that go back into the 1800s. So most of you can't relate to this, you know? So, <laughs> but I saw a pack of marble cigarettes, and I smoked at that age, and I picked it up, and I opened it up, and no cigarettes. Oh, there's a joint in there. That's where I got started. But then before you knew it, I was doing speed, and I was doing LSD and all kinds of stuff, man. It opened up, man, I was just lost until the great physician came into my life in 1981 and delivered me from that lifestyle of, I'd be, I think I'd be dead by then. I had a death wish. I was a very, very destructive kid, man. So praise God for his salvation. Uh, Verse 13, and they raised their voices. So Jesus sees these 10 lepers at a distance. And just as he had an appointment with the good, or the good Samaritan, the Samaritan woman who was not good, the bad Samaritan woman, to save her. He has an appointment, divine appointment. He's targeting them. And he wants, to, he wants to bring salvation to them. And in verse 13 it says, And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now the scriptures tell us that prior to this he healed lepers. And he had compassion. The leper in Mark chapter 1 it says he had compassion on him. And he healed him. 
So Jesus, they, they knew he not only had the power because the lame were walking, the deaf were hearing, the blind were seeing, right? The dead were living. Those who died, he rose people from the dead. And they're like, Jesus, they knew he had the power, but they also knew he had the mercy. Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And it's so beautiful. Uh, and they call him master. Uh, beautiful Greek word there for master is epistates, which is, uh, means one who just rules with with authority. Uh, now it's interesting that they call him master and they cry out for mercy. I think it's interesting that they don't cry out for, say, heal us. They cry out for mercy. Again, as I pointed out before, that leprosy was often connected with sin. And a lot of, they understood that they needed forgiveness, whether it was because of their sin or not. They wanted mercy and forgiveness and they're crying out for, for that. And obviously, they want a healing. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go, and now this is interesting. He doesn't just heal them. He doesn't like uh, just heal them at the, that very second. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were what? Going, they were cleansed. As they were going, they were cleansed. Now he says, go and show yourself to the priest. And this is really interesting because there hadn't been a lot of healings of leprosy in the Old Testament times. The only people we know that were healed of leprosy were, was Naaman the, Assyr, Naaman the Syrian, right? And also Miriam, after she learned her lesson, God healed her of her leprosy pretty quick. But there's no record of anybody ever going to the priest saying, I'm healed. It was like an incurable disease. And the priest certainly couldn't heal them. And the law is what said they were supposed to be distanced from everybody else. And it was under the law that they were separated from the rest of humanity. Yet it's interesting with regard to leprosy that not only was nobody healed except for the two I mentioned in the Old Testament, the only ones I know of, but... Nobody went through that ritual. Certainly Naaman, you know, he was a, a pagan, right? Syrian. And Miriam, it was before these laws were actually being practiced. So since the law had been being practiced almost for, you know, 3,500 years ago from us, but 1,500 years before Jesus, guess what? The priest had never seen in 1,500 years anybody come up and say, I've been healed of my leprosy. Yet now 10 of them are going to the priest. Jesus is having compassion on the ten lepers, but he's also having compassion on the Jewish priest. Because what are they going to realize there? That they were, you know, they're going to trip out. What in the world? You know? Who, 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 how did you get healed? Well, they're all, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They've heard so much of Jesus. They're like, oh, no. And now, man, it's just this witness. And by the way, the priest had rejected Jesus, but we read in the book of Acts, we know Nicodemus and some of the Jewish leaders accepted him early, but in the book of Acts we read that many priests came to faith. God whittled away at their unbelief. And it's interesting when you look at this because uh, verse, look at the, as the end of the verse says, and as they what? Were going, they were cleansed. That's faith, guys. We need to make sure we have faith. Make sure we trust the Lord and that we obey Him. Amen? Even if you don't see the results 
in your life, when you expect to see them, you still trust him. Amen? Amen. You're like, man, I've been praying for some time, but, some time, but you know, how come I'm not getting an answer to my prayer? You just keep trusting the Lord. Amen? The Bible says if you ask anything in accordance with his will, you have it. Amen? So if you're praying according to God's will, which is exactly where you want to be, right, you're going to get the answer. If you're praying out of his will, you don't want that prayer answered. Oh, Lord, I want this big, giant mansion on a hill, you know. You can get a big mansion on the hill, but are you in fellowship now? My wife and I, we took some days off, and, well, I don't take days off literally. I mean, I usually bring all my stuff with me, you know, and study still. And I love it. That's part of the day off for me, man. It's still working and studying. But I still spent time with my wife and so forth, and we had a great time up in a, a Big Bear for a, a four or five days. It was really, really beautiful. And, uh, uh, just uh, Rafi and Peggy and Nico, thank you guys for helping us with that. Uh, but we just had a beautiful time. And it was amazing uh, because, you know, when we were up there, uh, you, you just uh, recognize the beauty. But you know what? We were said after a few days of being up there, guess what we did? We missed everybody. We missed. And it's like, you know what? You can only look at a tree for so long. And we, 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 we uh, I mean, it's beautiful when you go someplace and we had a great time because we went mountain, you know, I got a four-wheel drive. We went four-wheel drive in all over the place. And we had such a beautiful time up there just seeing some of the beautiful areas. But guess what? Beautiful area, beautiful people that love Jesus without a beautiful area is a win-win situation. Okay? Praise God, I had my wife and there's other believers I met up there because we did a lot of witnessing, sharing the gospel up there. When we were up there, we made it like a mission trip. And it was really neat, you know? And... There's all kinds of ways you can share Jesus. I was waiting for my wife. She was shopping. And if you ever shop with Lisa, she, Carol cries smile at this. She really can find something because she's just so picky. It works out really good for my bank account, you know. But, uh, <laughs> and a young lady goes to me. And she's young, I say. She's, she's probably about 30 or so. But she's like, you are so patient. What is your secret? I said, you really want to know? <laughs> she goes, Yeah. You know, and it was right in front of her boss because her boss was kind of telling another girl what to do. And I go, it's, his name is Jesus, man. He gives me patience, you know. And I love my wife, and I just, no problem, you know. No, I'm not saying it's like, oh, this is so fun waiting, you know. <laughs> I got to be honest, you know. I'm like, but I can pray. I can seek the Lord. You know, Lord, help her find something, you know. <laughs> But there's always opportunities to witness. But you know what? I was telling Lisa, I go, you know what? I don't understand how people can move far away from believers that love Jesus. And uh, one of the things we learned from the, the Good Samaritan, even before he goes to the priest, he goes, turns around and goes to find Jesus. He wants fellowship, amen? And the Bible says, and that's one thing we learned from him, you know? He wanted to be in fellowship with the one who healed him. Where were the other nine, Right? And the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. We're commanded by, in the Bible to be in fellowship. We, should, we need to be going to church. And uh, Mark and I were just talking. You know, Mark was talking about moving a few months back. And then he's like, Joe, I'm like, where am I going to go? I'm gonna, I, you know, he's got this situation in his life financially. He's this hard worker. He's made a lot of money and stuff through the years. I'm not saying you're a millionaire, Mark, so don't go up and say, Mark, can you... I borrow 50 bucks, you know. But, but I'm just saying, he, and he goes, we had this talk just, I was at Wednesday. And he's like, you know, and I thought, where am I going to go? I'm around all these believers here and got a couple daughters here and so forth, you know. I'm not saying God won't lead people in different places. And, you know, if he does, praise God. But make sure it's him, amen. 
Make sure it's not because it's your dream, but make sure it's God's will for you. Amen? Because it's so important that we're in fellowship, that we're seeking the Lord and we are with other believers. And I love that this man wanted to be back in Jesus' presence. You know? And he, he's going to give, he's going to see his all to Jesus, but he's giving his time to Jesus. Jesus didn't say, come back and say thank you. But he's going to come back and say thank you to Jesus. And he's going to spend time with him. And I encourage people, if you're going to move somewhere, you better make sure they have a good church. Because I've had people come to me crying on the phone from other states, crying, you know. I'm thinking of one person specifically. There's no fellowship out here, weeping hard. And my heart broke. I miss Blessed Hope so much, you know. And uh, it's like, if I lived in a place personally and I couldn't find fellowship with other Christians, I'd move because that's more important than being by a brook. And most people aren't by a brook, by the way, you know. As much as I love, I love the outdoors as much as anybody here, easy. I'm an outdoorsman, man. But you know what? Give me a couple believers that love Jesus, man, and there's going to be sweet fellowship there. And, uh, and if you are in a place, you're listening by live stream, I love you guys, you know. And praise God, you need to find a fellowship that you can be around other believers. And praise God, a lot of our live streamers have fellowship with each other because if you can't find a fellowship, then find the best fellowship you can with other believers that are like-minded, amen? Or move to where there's a fellowship that's solid. They're out there. We're, by the grace of God, one of them. And uh, we have sweet fellowship here. I look around and I see, wow, you know, a good amount of people here that love Jesus and it's exciting. But and if you can't find fellowship and you can't move and you're like, because not everybody's in that situation. Some people are married to a husband who's not a believer or not really serious about the Lord and he can care less about fellowship and the sister can't move. Then do what you can to, to get around other believers that love Jesus, amen? They're like-minded. If you're husband and wife and you're in a situation where, man, we really can't, you know, afford to go here or whatever, man, start breaking bread and practicing the Lord's Supper at your home then and have some home fellowship, amen? And when somebody gets saved that you know, have them baptize them, you know? Have, start some home fellowships, perhaps. Amen? It's important that we're in fellowship with other people. Now, I love that this man, I love that these ten lepers took off in faith before they were healed. They just start walking with a full of leprosy. But Jesus' reputation preceded him. Amen? And he was full of compassion. So they're all walking to the priest. Could you imagine? And all of a sudden, I, I, I pictured it as just, I pictured this more than once, you know? I wrote a, a script called The Last Leper, which is based on this, which I'm not going to get into, which kind of takes some uh, liberty with, with certain characters that kind of have this thing where they end up in these different situations and end up all in the leper colony together. And they all have these backgrounds, but I focus on like four, four or five of them. And, uh, but anyway, I picture them walking away and slowly tripping out that they're feeling different, that they're, they're maybe seeing each other get healed before they see themselves. And they're looking at their hands. They're like, what in the world? They're all tripping out. Can you imagine? And they turn around. This one guy turns around to go back to Jesus. He's so full of thanks. He's found the Messiah. And he wants to give thanks because his heart is just overwhelmed with appreciation for what God has done in his life. And by the way, we have to have faith in the Lord. Amen. And you don't wait until you see a result before you have faith. The Bible says, He that has faith in, in, in uh, Hebrews 11.6 must believe that God is, that He exists. The evidence is all around you. Creation just screams God's name, the cosmos. No man can make this. No one makes this except God. 
He says he must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God puts in our hearts that he not only exists, but that he's good. He gives witness through how he feeds the birds and how he takes care of creation and, and that he cares and he loves us. And, and the very fact that we're made in his image and we are created to love each other shows you that we reflect God's image. And Jesus said to his disciples, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit? And also he said he will give you to what you ask of him. He's good. So, they, so you have to have faith, though. You have to trust the Lord. Hebrews 11, one says, 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Right? Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. I could trust the Lord and obey Him. Whether I, whatever I see happen around me, it doesn't matter. I'm going to obey Him because I know He is. I know he exists. I know he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. I know he's good. Amen. Amen. And I know that he's going to come through. Well, these guys start walking in faith. And they start seeing their healing. By the way, that's a picture of our salvation. When we trust Jesus, we get our sins forgiven. But as we walk in obedience to him, we become more and more whole. Amen. We become more and more what we were created to be. It's a beautiful process of salvation. But we must ask in faith when we pray. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he goes on to say, But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, you know? And uh, surf of the sea is just like aimless, just splashing on the, the, the sand. And he says, For that man ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord, being a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. So if you're not walking in faith and trusting the Lord and seeking him, your prayers, half hearted prayers, are empty. Oh, by the way, what if they said, Well, yeah, thank you, Jesus. We, we accept the gift of healing, but they don't obey him and they don't go to the priest? Those prayers would be empty. Prayer without obedience is useless and empty. Amen? So don't think you could talk to God whenever you want something and then get all upset because he didn't answer if you're not following the Lord. Amen? Amen. One of the biggest soccer stars in the world, right, named Rapino, uh, she, you know, has been one of the main stars of the U.S. soccer team. And she is very anti-God, you know? She's the one that dyes her hair purple, and she's a proud lesbian and so forth. And in the World Cup, when the World Cup took place uh, against, you know, Sweden, her last game, her last World Cup game, we were in it. It looked like the women were going to go all the way, perhaps. And on the penalty kick, she kicked wide. And she couldn't believe that she ended her career, as far as her World Cup career, on that note. And then, just recently, a couple weeks ago, she was in the women's final, but it's not a, a women's uh, tournament, and it wasn't the World Cup. And just six minutes into the game, I think it was, six minutes, she, uh, her Achilles, I think it was her Achilles tore. And she was, couldn't believe it. She said after the World Cup, I can't believe I ended this way. Then this happened. You know what she said? She said, you know what? Uh, because of me getting injured, this proves there's no God. You know? Sage Steele, a leading 
uh, sports writer, uh, black uh, female sports writer uh, for many years. I think she lost her job at ESPN because she's somewhat conservative. Uh, was it ESPN? Yes. Yeah, it was ESPN. She said that this, she basically said this doesn't prove there's no God. This basically proves that she's a narcissist, you know. That everything revolves around her. You can't be in rebellion to God and not live for him. And then say, okay, God, I'm going to do my own thing, live my own way, deny reality, and then get upset with you when something bad happens to me. And by the way, another gal came out because she's one of those, she's on her way out, so she's retiring, so she's saying, hey, I think it's fine if, if biological men you know, claim they're women and they become the world, join the Women's World Cup team. She's been saying that. I know she's saying that now when she's on her way out. Because guess what? She wouldn't even be a bench warmer if that happened. And you know another gal on that team, uh, Lloyd, she admitted recently, she said, you know, she admitted, yeah, she was asked, is it true you guys lost to 15-year-old boys? And she said, yeah, it's true, but they were really good, you know. And it was a warm-up to play a friendly against Russia. And they lost to 15 and under boys in, in a Dallas, a Texas team. They weren't even the best boys. They were just Dallas, Texas team. Can you imagine if the best boys, 15-year-olds, got together and under? They, just, they, they, they lost that game 5-2. to two. She said, we also lost to a German team, that same lady, Lloyd, in Bayern Munich. Under, 15 under, I think it was as well. She goes, yeah. She goes, it happens, but that preps us. But you know what Lloyd said? They're stronger, they're bigger, they're faster. She's right. These are kids, but they're like, I see a picture of Lloyd with one of these boys, and he's like a foot taller than her. Of course they should beat him. I think these women would do a much better job of bringing life in the world, having babies. These boys wouldn't have a chance. Amen? Boys would be like, couldn't even get started. Right? Because we're, we're gifted in different ways. By the way, it's much more impressive to have a baby than to kick a soccer ball. Amen? So let's get this straight. It's not about, uh, you know, it's about basically... But the point is, is she got all angry because how could this happen to me? But if you're a double-minded person, guys, and she wasn't even double-minded. It's not like she was confessing Christ and then living a wicked lifestyle. She's just doing the lifestyle thing. But then she gets upset with God. It shows me that she has a relation or a lack of relationship with God, and I believe it shows that she believes he exists and she's angry. Okay? Because the Bible says that the atheist suppresses the knowledge of God's word in his heart. So it says, you guys have to walk in faith, amen? When you pray, make sure you're being obedient to the Lord. Make sure you're seeking the Lord, amen? Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not obey what I say, amen? And Jesus warned there'll be many that'll say, Lord, Lord, on judgment day, and it'll be too late because they didn't do the will of the Father, and they were practitioners of lawlessness, amen? So look at verse 15 and 16 now. Now one of them, that is one of the lepers, when he saw that he had been healed. <laughs> He's like looking at himself. He turned back, glorifying God with a what? Loud voice. I love this. Because the first time we said, it, it really hit me. I've never seen this before until I was reading the text last night that it hit me because with a loud voice they were saying, Master, right? Epitotes, have mercy on us! And of course they have to say it with a loud voice because they're what? A long way away. They're contagious. And they're praying. They're praying, have mercy on us! Now, usually they're used to yelling. They're used to yelling, unclean! Unclean! 
and people are like 100 paces away so everybody can stay distant from them. So they're like, have mercy on us because Jesus is, 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 is at a distance from them. But I love the fact that now he's healed. He doesn't have to yell anymore, right? He could just go up and say, Jesus, I'm tripping out. I mean, I believe, but no, I really believe, or something like that. But no, we read something quite interesting. It says, uh, now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. He was like, just, you guys, are you as loud to God in your praise as you are to, and as earnest in your praise and thanks as you are in your prayers when you're desperate, you know? We need to make sure that we are seeking the Lord and crying out to him with all of our might, amen, in, in prayer, but also that we're also people of praise, amen. And he says, and he fell on his face, verse 16, and he fell on his face at his feet. So he falls on his face at, feet, uh, face at Jesus' feet, giving what? Thanks to him. Giving thanks to him. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. You totally changed my life. Now this man's healed. Now he can go have fellowship again with the people, with his family and friends. And, but most of all, he can have fellowship with Jesus. Amen? Have fellowship with the good Lord. And it says at the end of the verse, and he was a what? He was a what? He was a Samaritan. The hated race. He was, hated, he was, in, the, he was in the wrong religion, right? He was in the wrong region as well, right? He was a man that was uh, in a dire straits. Uh, wrong religion, wrong race too, <laughs> and wrong region. But that wasn't wrong enough for God because God's like, I'm going to make all things right because Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, which is great because that's why we all have hope. doesn't matter what race you are, what racial background. We're all sons of Adam, amen? We all share the same blood. Racism is so stupid, man. And that's why I love our fellowship. I look around, I see all these different races here represented. Praise God, we're all sons of Adam. And you know me, I always say I praise, how many years have I been saying I praise God for what happened at the Tower of Babel, right? And all of us, people groups going to different places because man, if that did not happen, we wouldn't have Thai food and Japanese food and Thanksgiving turkey and Mexican food and Italian food and French food or whatever you like, Amen. I'm salivating. I shouldn't talk like this before lunch, but man, you know, God is good, okay? But he turned back to glorify God, you know? And it's just beautiful because we have such an awesome God. And it's interesting because he had so much to be thankful for. Do you realize how much we have to be thankful for? Let's be honest here. What's a bigger deal? Be honest. Being healed from leprosy, which is temporal, which eventually you'll escape at death, or being saved from your sins and eternal hell? Which is more important? The second one, amen? Far more important. You get healed of leprosy, you can still be down to hell, which is far worse, amen? You get forgiven of your sins, man. You're healed, you're healed from what ultimately happens with leprosy, death, but you're saved forever through Christ, amen? amen. Think about that, man. We should be more thankful than him. Amen. And he puts his face on the ground before Jesus' prostate. And it really ticks me off that, well, that Muslims who aren't born again, who don't serve a God they can even know for sure that will save them because their works will all be weighed, and he didn't love them enough to give his son for them. He doesn't have a son. It's a false God. 
And five times a day, they'll put their face on the ground all around the world. There's almost two billion or so Muslims, and many of them will do that. And they'll do that for a false god. But us Christians are too proud to get on our knees and give thanks to God and pray. That better not be happening with you. We need to humble ourselves before God. Amen. Well, I grew up in the West. I'm an American, and this is kind of how I worship. No, we need to worship biblically. Amen. And I'm not saying you always have to get on your knees, but there should be times when you do get on your knees. And there should be times where we humble ourselves before him and say, you know, the Bible says, you know, we are the sheep of his pastures. Come, let us worship and bow down. Amen. We should be bowing down because God is the creator, the, the true God, created the entire universe, and he became a man and was slaughtered on the cross so we could be saved. How could we not worship him? How could we not give him thanks? How could we not bow down before him? Amen. Amen. And I was looking, I just looked at some of the studies that were done on how much we are blessed compared to every other nation on earth here in the United States. You, you, have, you can worship freely and so forth. That wasn't in the articles. I just came across some articles I was looking for in preparation for this study, just looking for articles that talked about how much we have wealth-wise in the United States compared to other nations. And I'm basically going to read from you some of the notes I took based on a couple of these articles. One was from the Washington Post and one was from, which I do not recommend that, that, that paper, and another uh, paper as well, another article as well. But think about this. If I asked you what the average person makes around the world, on average, not the average American, makes 70-some thousand on average. If I asked you what the average person around the world makes, what would you say? How much? Well, two th- a lot of people say 20000 bucks, $2,100. Okay? And, I, and I'm just going to copy or, or, or uh, read from uh, notes I copied from these articles, and then some I reworded just so they're more understandable. But even the U.S. is poor, and middle classes are, by global standards, extraordinarily rich. U.S. is poor. Poor people in the United States are extraordinarily rich, many of them, compared to the rest of the world. As a typical American will earn an income that is 10 times the income received by the typical person in the world. According to a new Pew Research Center analysis, many Americans who are classified as poor by the U.S. government would be middle income globally. The poor in the rest of the world live on $2 or less daily. Catch that? Not our poor, but the poor. In, being poor is still a bummer, okay, in the United States. But the poor in the rest of the world live on $2 or less daily. The poor in the U.S. live on 5 to 10 times more than the rest of the world's poor on average. The U.S. stands head and shoulders above the rest of the world. More than half of Americans were high income by the global standard. Most, most Americans are high income compared to the most of the world. Almost 9 in 10 Americans, almost 9 in 10 Americans had a standard of living that was above the global middle income standard. Only 7% of people in the U.S. were middle income. The majority of Americans are part of the global high income population that resides almost exclusively in Europe and North America. Many Americans who are poor by U.S. standard would be middle income by the global standard. Now, I think it's really interesting that 9 of 10 Americans are considered rich by the rest of the world. Standards. But guess what? We're like the nine of ten uh, that were healed of leprosy in our country. And I trip out when I go to Uganda and I go to Tijuana in Mexico and I go to uh, very, very poor places on mission trips. And 
the people there are far more thankful and grateful and giving than many Americans. Many Americans have a sense of entitlement. Isn't that right? You see many of the young people today, not just young people, a lot of the older people, gimme, 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 and they get up, like everybody owes them something, and they're not thankful to God. It's insidious, it's evil, it's sad, it's wicked that so many young people are, they have to have everything or they're not happy. And they get all bent out of shape if they can't get more. Many people. Not all, but many. But I love the fact that, and a lot of it's perspective. Are you thankful? Does that show in the way you praise God? Should. The leper was praising God because he was thankful. Amen? And sometimes I think we can have too much. We take things for granted. And you know, we don't have adversity. We have so much affluence. We try to get away. We're always, we got air conditioning. We got heating. We got cars. We've got homes. We've got uh, jobs. We've got plenty of food. Some of the best food you can actually eat. You know, we have all these wonderful things that we just take for granted. And it's messed up. And we don't have a sense of, and I want us to have perspective. Look how much you've been blessed. Consider it and be thankful. Amen? Sometimes people have to lose things to be thankful. And it's interesting how the Lord works it into the fabric of humanity. Like I've been looking at studies, like if you're in a sauna and you get hot, and people that are naturally hot areas, physiologically it blesses their bodies. If people are in cold areas and they're shivering, it's a lot easier to lose weight shivering than running. Okay? And by the way, if you shiver a few minutes a day, a few days a week or so, you got 2.5 times the amount of dopamine that you normally have. That's the same amount of, as cocaine, except it's safe, as long as you don't get pneumonia, okay? Because cocaine will destroy you, spikes it up real quick. But it's interesting how God works all that out. But we should be thankful for his goodness, amen? And thankful for his blessings. And I love that this man used his tongue to shout glory to God. Should we sing praise to God? Should we lift up and shout our voice, shout like this man? Less or more? Less or more than Muslims should we pray? More. Okay, Psalm 32.11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all ye who are upright in heart. That's not some of you who are upright in heart. That's not if it fits your personality. That's every single believer is supposed to shout to God and give him glory. When's the last time you did that? Have you ever done that? At the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. Well, what if I look a certain way? Wait, if you got healed of your leprosy, I don't care what you look like. You look way better than you did when you had leprosy. You look way better than you did before you were a believer. Amen? Because you're saved and you should have the joy of the Lord. Amen? We should be shouting the Lord praises all day long. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. You know? It says it in the scripture we're commanded to. Should we bow down before the Lord? Like this leper bowed down before the Lord? Yes. Psalm 95, 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Amen? 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 amen. By the way, should we say amen? amen? Psalm 106, 48 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting and tell the people to say amen. Ha! <laughs> amen. Amen. Now, the people... You don't want to say amen after every sentence I say, because guess what? That'll be very distracting. You'll be like this. Okay. But there's a time to say amen. Amen? Amen. amen. Okay. <laughs> praise the Lord. Should we praise the Lord? Yes. Praise the Lord. Psalm 107.2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
whom he has redeemed from the, land of the, the hand of the enemy. Should we clap our hands to the Lord? Psalm 47. I mean, we should clap our hands when we sing praise songs. We should clap our hands, you know, when we're excited to give a clap off to the Lord, like we do so often at the end of a service. Psalm 47 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Not some of you. All you people. Shout to the God with a voice of triumph. Should we lift our hands? Certainly. Do you ever lift your hands to the Lord? Now, if you're like, I'm not condemning you if you're not doing these things, but I'm encouraging you. Come on, if you've been saved by the blood of Christ, man, you should be seeking him. Psalm 134, 2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. We should be praising him and lifting up our hands as we seek him. I often will raise my hands when I pray, and I raise my hands often when I praise him throughout the day and just give glory to God. That's become a big part of my life. And it's biblical. It's unbiblical if a church is saying, we don't really accept the lifting of hands here. Or, uh, you know what? You're being kind of fanatical. You're clapping your hands in excitement. Can you imagine a bunch of lepers heal, healed of their leprosy the, in, and all of a sudden then being told, you know, don't give praise to Jesus, you know? You're too loud. You're a fanatic. Just be thankful and be reserved. I'm tired of being reserved, man. We, you know, we need to be excited about Jesus. We ought to be excited about the Lord. Amen? And it's so important. Psalm 47, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out God with the voice of triumph. Psalm 134, 2, lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. It's so important that we seek the Lord. A story I shared some time ago with you, it wasn't on Thanksgiving message, but I thought that that story I shared with you, which is a true story, uh, as as it's come down to me, and as I've read it uh, with a pastor uh, from uh, Pastor Jack uh, Hinton, from New Bern, North Carolina, took a mission group to the island of uh, Tabongo, where they have a bunch of lepers. Okay, there's still some leprosy there. As I said, it's not totally eradicated. It's mostly eradicated. And when they were on the uh, mission trip, they had a worship service, and some lepers came that were invited to come in. And some sat in one of the back rows, and they sang to the Lord, praising God. But one woman was turned herself around. She's turned around. And I'd never seen an explanation for that because I've read about this more than once now. And I think she might have turned around because she didn't want to be a distraction. You know, perhaps. I don't know why for sure. But Jack announced at the end of the service of songs, he said, uh, we have time for one more hymn. Does anyone have a favorite? And a woman who'd been facing the opposite way turned around. And she said she did. And Jack Hinton said, it was the most hideous face that I've ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. The disease had destroyed her lips as well. And she had no nose, she had no lips, uh, and her, her face just looked like, she looked like she was just a skull, you know, really, really sad. And she raised her hand with a, in a fingerless nub, you know, just raised it up when he asked that question. Does anybody have a request for a song? And you know what she requested, this lady requested? Could we sing, count your many blessings? Could we sing, count your many blessings? This is a lady who recognized even without being healed of leprosy. Maybe she was healed of the bacterial disease, but the results were still there. She wanted to sing a song about counting the many blessings that she had. Isn't that amazing? And what's interesting is Hinton shares that... uh, and by the way, you want to hear some of the lines from that song? So she's singing, 
the skull and you know nothing and she's singing uh, when upon life's billows you are uh, uh, you are tempest tossed when you are discouraged thinking all is lost count your many blessings name them one by one and it will surprise you that the, what the Lord has done count your blessings name them one by one and it will surprise you what the Lord has done now think about this how awesome for this woman you look at that, you're like, how could she sing that? Because guess what? There's blessings in her life. Even when you're going through the worst perils in your life, there's still blessings. If you're saved, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. You've been justified. You've been made right with God, not in your own doing, but because Jesus paid for your sins on the cross. And Jesus says, don't rejoice that you have power over the demons, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. So even when things are hideous down here and you feel like you've got no mouth left, you have no knows you have no ears you're saved though amen how many christians go through nothing compared to what she's going through and they get upset with god that's not good that's not good we have to have perspective there was a peanuts cartoon where snoopy was thanksgiving it's thanksgiving and charlie brown brings him a bowl of dog food and he's like it's Thanksgiving. I just get dog food. He's upset at first. And he's like, well, I am a dog, but still, you know, it's Thanksgiving, you know. And he's a little ticked off. And, and then he thinks about it. And all of a sudden he's thankful. He goes, you know what? I should be happy that I'm a dog. I could have been a turkey, right? <laughs> Perspective is everything, guys, you know. And we need to repent and get right with God, recognizing things could become worse. You know Tony and Cheryl? Palacio, Tony, if, Tony listens to our messages still, so praise the Lord and Cheryl often. Love you guys. But they have a cussing parrot. I don't know if it's a parrot. It's like a parrot. What do you call their bird? What's it? African gray, okay? It's a baby parrot. We can call it that, you know. Uh, African gray. And it cusses. And it's embarrassing to them because they don't cuss. But they have their, they, where they used to live, they had their window open a lot where he's at, and the neighbors would argue all the time. So it picked up some words. It's embarrassing. So one time, Cheryl was upset. Thanksgiving is coming. She's in a good mood. She wants to be thankful, and it's cussing. She sticks it in the freezer for two minutes to cool it off. And it comes out. It's freaked out. It repented of its cussing. And, it won't, and, and, and the parrot asked Cheryl, she goes, I'm done cussing, but what did the turkey do in there? You know? <laughs> All a true story except the last part about the turkey thing. And about her sticking it in the freezer. She's not, she's not cruel. Uh, anyway. But look at verses 17 and 18 now. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten clans but the nine? Where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? That trips me out. That shows me that God in the flesh's heart hurts. Weren't there 10 of you that were healed? Verse 17. Where are the nine? I'm challenging you. Be like the one, not like the nine. Amen. Be like the one, not like the nine. And my sister who says, Amen there. Praise the Lord for you and Rochelle. They led worship last Wednesday night. Beautiful worship. And Brother Shay, where's Shay? Shay, I just saw. He's wearing the purple shirt over there. He was telling me and a few of the brothers at Chili's after fellowship 
uh, the other night after Wednesday night fellowship. He goes, it was so beautiful. I came early and those gals were so praying and it was just awesome to see their hearts to just want to worship the Lord and what a privilege it was is to be in God's presence. And he says, I got so blessed just hearing their prayer and then hearing the worship, seeing where their hearts were just so blessed my heart. And it blessed my heart that it blessed his heart. That's the kind of hearts God wants us to have. He wants us to be grateful, amen, in the ways that he's blessed us. Amen? And not forget that he's cleansed us. Second Peter 2, chapter 1 says, you can forget. It talks about people who forget they were cleansed from their past sins. That can happen to believers where they're no longer grateful and they even forget they were saved. That's pretty messed up. So let's give to the Lord everything we have, guys. Let's stand prostate or kneel prostate before him. Let's give him our time, our talent, our treasure. Amen. And the last story I'm going to share with you, because I think it's just so beautiful, uh, such a beautiful story, just like the woman that had leprosy, is there's a guy since 1942 up until the time he died, uh, spent 1,500 for 31 years, okay, 1973, do the math. For 31 years, he didn't miss a Friday. 1,500 Fridays in a row, he went down to the pier in South Florida and fed the seagulls. He, brought, he fed them shrimp, big bucket of shrimp. He'd feed them until they were done. And he was seen there on the pier every Friday, and the, the seagulls would land on his hat, and he'd walk with them. They had a relationship with him. Even when the fish is gone, or the, when the, the shrimp's gone, they'd still hang out with him. And they asked him why he did that. Well, this man... He was known, uh, he's part of the crew of the B-17s that were sent. Uh, his name was Eric uh, Rickenbacker. And he was sent to General Douglas MacArthur to give messages with their B-17s during the war there. And when they were flying, they ran out of gas. They got lost, they ran out of gas, and they ended up landing in the ocean, and they were trying to survive. And as they sought to survive, dying, giving up almost, they had a devotion they sought God and they prayed. And they were starting to doze off because their bodies were so weak. And then something landed on his head. And he said he knew what it was. And it was a seagull. He thought, if I could just catch this seagull. Caught it. They ate it. They took their intestines out and they began to fish with the intestines from the seagull. Caught all kinds of fish. Got revived and got rescued. And he was so thankful for this seagull that sacrificed his life for him. Not probably purposely. But maybe God sent it, right? He was so thankful to seagulls for 30 years, 1,500 times, every Friday he would go feed the seagulls. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says not to forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Do you make the Lord's Day, Sunday, a priority? Because we have more than a seagull that gave his life for us. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself, gave his life for us, amen? And we should be filled with thanks, not every Friday, but every day, amen? giving thanks to our awesome Lord. He's so good. And the law kept us separate. Remember, that you have to go on the side of the road, unclean, unclean. And remember the, the Pharisee, and the, remember the priest, and how they went to the other side of the road with a good Samaritan, coming by later and helping the guy? Well, the law goes on the other side of the road. It says, I can't save you. They represent the law, man. But Jesus barges in there, Amen. Because like the Good Samaritan, he's a picture of Jesus who binds, binds up his wounds and he puts him on his animal and takes him in and pays for him. Jesus comes and saves us. He came into their lives because the law couldn't save them, amen? And he saves them by his grace, amen? And he forgives these guys. And in verse 19, we read in the very last verse of the text, and he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you what? Well, and by the way, the Greek word well there is sozo. 
What's the, anybody know what the Greek word sozo means? Typic, most often in the New Testament, saved. It can be used of deliverance and healing and stuff. And certainly he got healed, amen. But it ends with him, sozo, being saved. I believe he wasn't just saved physically, but spiritually. Because he humbled himself, and God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud, amen. Make sure you are kneeling at the feet of Jesus. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, because he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, amen. And he'll bless you now and forevermore. And let's give thanks every single day for who we have. And we go through hardship. Think of the woman with the nub saying, can you play, can you sing, count your blessings, and count your blessings, amen. Because God's blessed you far more and even uses the hardships you go through to bless you beyond what you know or understand, amen. Let us all stand, amen.